I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. seems to get involved, doesn't he? I'm telling you, too many coconuts have hit him right on top of the skull. Well, I think uh, Anthony will be a great acquisition. He can do it all. Avery, whose show is this? Welcome everybody here to the Lakers Lounge. I'm Anthony Irwin. Today joined by somebody who survived the jinx. I wanted it. I was kind of pushing it. I just wanted to see how far we could go. Didn't specifically name you in yesterday's show, but like 99% of people who were paying attention knew who I was talking about and you survived the jinx. Uh, Sabrina Merchant of The Athletic. That's still getting some... Yeah, <laughs> getting used to. Uh, thank you very much for joining us, and congratulations on surviving the jinx. Maybe, maybe you ended the streak. I have stronger constitution than Pete. That's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> I, I maybe that'll just be the name of the show. Sabrina is greater than Pete. <laughs> um, yeah, no. The, the The plan was to do our show yesterday, and then we had some miles-related scheduling issues, so we pushed it back to today, which allowed Harrison and me to make fools of ourselves talking about uh, the LeBron Kyrie saga, which I literally told you I did not want to waste the <laughs> show on with you for. Um, but do you have any 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 grand macro LeBron Kyrie thoughts like before we dive into the show? I think I've made my Kyrie thoughts very clear in previous <laughs> iterations of such Laker yeah. podcasts. I would prefer him not to be a Laker. And uh, if that means that he takes LeBron to Dallas, honestly, still think that's preferable to him being a Laker. <laughs> so that's where I land. <laughs> I can't believe I think I mostly agree with you. Like, I, th- yeah. that's basically what I was saying on the show yesterday. It was just like, if having a happy LeBron means employing Kyrie and doing everything necessary to employ Kyrie because he's not taking a pay cut. No, he's not. Um, I would rather not employ LeBron. I can't believe that, that that's... It's a that's weird a... thing to say, honestly, but give yeah. me a couple firsts. You know, give me Jaden Hardy and, you know, Josh <laughs> yeah. Green or whatever. Josh Green and Austin Reeves just fighting every day in practice. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. right. That was a thing. <laughs> I love random NBA feuds, the ones that you like never remember until it actually happens. I feel like we'll look back at Bruce Brown and D'Lo like that someday. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, at some point people might remember D'Lo, but but like, yeah. At some point. (laughs) (laughs) I say that as if I haven't been able to like, I I haven't gone a day without thinking about what his contract is going to be. Are those really the Lakers point guard options, D'Lo or Kyrie Irving? Like, that's it? That's what we're landing on? Yeah. 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 Oof. Great, great situation. That, that another great offseason ahead for the purple yeah. and gold. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So today, uh, the 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 purpose of the show, 
um, is to get you from A to B in your commute. But uh, what we're going to be talking about on the show is going to be the season that was and the direction that we kind of think that the Lakers could maybe go in um, moving forward. And then I also want to talk some WNBA. Um, you know, you are uh, the Athletics W, uh, well, no, women's basketball um, aficionado. You are That's one right. of a team there. And uh, yeah, we, we are the last, honestly, the best appearance that we have ever, I have ever gotten from you was when you ranted and raved like I do about the sparks and the yeah, shoddy yeah. and the shoddy uh i was planning on taking business. that day off and you were like yeah i think Derek fisher just got fired shouldn't we talk <laughs> um so that is uh that is what we're going to talk about there we're going to i said when we were getting ready for the show preview the show or preview the season but the season is already underway so we are going to get people caught up on the season that has been already and then kind of get everybody looking forward um, for those who are interested in the W, which is a growing, a, a very much so growing entity, um, and women's basketball in general is, I would go so far as to say probably the fastest growing sport in the country. Um, I, I would probably say so. That is uh, what we're going to do later in the second half of the show. But yeah, let's let's start with. Um, I will let you. I don't know how warm you are. If you if you've stretched up or, or whatever, okay. if you want to take a victory lap because the Lakers now <laughs> cannot win. I am an NBA so <laughs> disappointed that I relented ever so slightly after the conference semifinals. They didn't win another game after. They didn't win another game. I don't like optimism just doesn't work for me. <laughs> Pure pessimism is really the main path forward. I kept thinking about that the minute I came on the show, you know, after game six and I was like, well, you know, they're in the conference finals. Nobody else looks good. I was like, I shouldn't have done that. I should have just stuck to my guns. I got overexcited and yeah, here we are. I, uh, I guess said that was, at the start that was... of the playoffs that there was no chance that the Lakers would win a title and <laughs> zero chance that the Lakers win a title. Is that, so that was after game six, right? Like that was after game six. That was that we, when that... I relented. Yes. Mm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Should have known something was amok when I finally turned positive. It's it's usually how it goes with me, right? Where I'll I'll say like I've had shows titled mm -hmm. Anthony can't find anything to complain about, right? And then the and then world will like, provide me something. <laughs> <laughs> provide me something to complain about. Um, but well, I I guess that's a pretty good place to start. Then what would you what did you think of the Nugget series? Right, like. Uh, the Nuggets obviously sweep the Lakers, and that would imply that the Nuggets were significantly better, right? You win four straight in uh, in a series. That's that's usually the indication there. But they won those four straight by a combined twenty four points. Game two felt like the one that the Lakers, I, I would go so far as to say, should have won that one. They were in position to win about it. Game four, honestly. Yeah, uh, game four. You you know um, even even. Um, you know, game one, they make the, that crazy comeback or whatever, which was a fake comeback. It was a classic fake comeback, but we still. We love a Laker fake comeback. <laughs> yeah. But like in, in three of the four games that, that we watched there, the Lakers had opportunities to, you know, at least either make it more co uh, competitive or win the game outright. Um, so what's your what's your kind of like grand takeaway from that? Like, do you think the Lakers are the second best team 
of those four that in, in the conference finals, is that enough for you to want to run it back? Like where, where do you stand after watching that series? And I guess what we've seen from the finals so far. Yeah. So I think um, I had spoken with you before the start of the playoffs or if I haven't, maybe we spoke offline, but I had said that I kind of liked the Denver matchup for the Lakers because I didn't think Denver was particularly good at walling off the paint. And, mm-hmm. you know, I thought that the Lakers could get a lot of business done like right by the basket and, that ended up not being the case. Uh, maybe yeah. Denver would have been a better matchup for the Lakers in the first round than they were in the third. You know, I think they had figured some things out by the time they got to the conference finals. And I think the Lakers were particularly worn down after the semifinals, after that six game set against the Warriors, which, you know, I mean, I think they won the only way they could have won that series, but it required a lot out of Anthony Davis and LeBron James to yeah. take down the Warriors. And I think we saw a diminished version of Anthony Davis in the conference finals where he was not not the best player on the court like he was in the first two rounds and no. not even close. So that's what, certainly not at his position. Like right. <laughs> and that's, that's what the Lakers needed to win the series. And they didn't have that. And, you know, there's no shame in admitting that Denver was the better team. I think they were the better coached team. They had the best player on the court. You know, they had the better depth, honestly. And to be in the final four after the way the Lakers started the season, the way February started for the Lakers, the way the play in started for the Lakers, I think is a pretty great outcome to the season. You know, yeah. would I have liked to win a game? Sure. But losing in four, losing in five, I don't particularly care one way or the other. Like a loss is a yeah. loss. And I kind of love that the Lakers have this, this franchise record of never winning a game down 3-0. <laughs> like, <laughs> just pack it in at all costs. Yeah. <laughs> it's very interesting. Nick Van Exel yeah. is just sitting there like, I started it. That I did was it. me. I did one, it. two, three, Cancun. <laughs> one, one, two, three, Cancun. All me. You're all welcome. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I think ending up in the conference finals, putting up a fight against the Nuggets, who maybe they win the title, maybe they don't. I still think they're an excellent team. And to put that kind of showing against the Nuggets, I mean, like you said, we lost all four games, but by a margin of 24 points, I think is very respectable. You know, this is a team that I believe, you know, after LeBron has foot surgery, like should be able to compete again in its current iteration. And obviously it's unlikely to keep the team together in its current iteration because of what is going to be required to retain D'Angelo Russell, Austin, Mm -hmm. um, Rui, if Lonnie Walker wants to come back on what presumably would be a pay cut, like you just mentioned, Schroeders, there's, you know, a lot of pieces that have to be assembled, you know, to put this team back together. But I think, I think the core should like, that should be able to retain in place. Lakers shouldn't have too much difficulty keeping the main pieces together. Yeah. Um, You know, the Lonnie Walker game four is like a, an aberration that you don't know if it's going to happen again. Like, are you going to get off the scrap heap to make that happen? But I really like the direction the Lakers took over the last three months. I think the, the idea of this team makes a lot of sense. Would I have liked to have one more shooter like Malik Beasley? Were you alive? I, I don't know. It's just a weird situation. <laughs> he's still standing there with his hand up. Like he's just, he yeah. has follow through <laughs> Follow through is so good. Yeah. So good. He may have airballed it, but he's still standing there with his, <laughs> his follow through. No, I think. It's weird to say that, like, I think a team that is built on a 38-year-old superstar who is entering off-season surgery and another 30-plus-year-old center who is also potentially having off-season surgery is poised for better things in the future. But I really do believe that way. And, like, that's how I felt at the end of the regular season was, I don't know that the Lakers can win this year, but I feel very good about their future going forward. And I still do. And the playoff run really only validated that. Like, less, of course, I had zero faith in them winning a title, but that doesn't mean that I have zero faith in, like, what this team can accomplish going forward. I mean, Austin playing for Team USA, historically, players, young players who play for Team USA have just incredible uh, yeah, momentum heading into the regular season. Like, I think about yeah. 
Lamar Odom, he wasn't that young, but like when he played for the World Cup team in 2010, that leads into his sixth man of the year season. You think about like Kyrie Irving, for lack of a better example, and like just uh Steph, and I'm thinking of all superstars. I wish I could think of a non-superstar to make this analogy like, better like for Kelvin Austin. Johnson, right? But, like, remember, he was kind of like a weird addition to it. And then, like, yeah, he the became, Olympic like, team, really right. good that following, that that next yeah, yeah. year, he looked really good. Yeah. So I'm, I'm really excited about that jump for Reeves. I think Rui is very comfortable here. And the fit next to LeBron and AD just makes a ton of sense for him. So, yeah, I mean, I, I'm... I don't want to be optimistic again after what happened the last time I expressed that <laughs> emotion on this show, but I feel very good about where the Lakers are heading. And maybe I shouldn't considering like their best player is being recruited to the Dallas Mavericks, but <laughs> Hey, I, I like the direction of this team. I, I do too. Um, it is interesting. You just withstood the greatest jinx of all jinxes, right? In that, in that I didn't mention you by name, but I did mm-hmm. make it, I did heavily imply yesterday you were coming on the show. Mm-hmm. And the the jinx that you were like the, the the line in the sand that you were drawing is your own optimism. Yeah, like that's the that's where you were stopping. You were <laughs> I will not go beyond right here. Um, and I and I understand. I I you know from experience, I I, I totally get it. Um, would you go so far as to say next season that the Lakers could win a championship? Like you were totally. You were unrelenting this year until you relented, mm-hmm. unfortunately. Next yeah. year, you, you... I think like I stopped things... at like a 20%, which honestly with four teams left is not even that much. <laughs> it's less It's less than just like normal. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, not, it's not even a 25% chance with all... <laughs> um, yeah, it was, it was, it was funny to, to, to see that over the course of the thing. And it's like, I was just, I kept needling you, like not on the show, but like just, right. hey... Can I get you to 5%? Can I get you to, <laughs> you know, which 5%, 5% of something happening is just like nothing, but literally but yeah. nothing. <laughs> That's like statistically <laughs> insignificant when people run studies. Yeah. Still double of, of what, uh, Connor Roy would <laughs> oh <my> God. <laughs> God in succession. But, um, yeah, I think I I'm, I'm with you and, you know, realistically speaking, right. So the off season that I just kind of have penciled in as of right now is, um, especially now that we're getting reports that the Lakers are intent upon using that number 17 pick. Um, you know, look, it, their draft history would indicate that that's probably a good decision. Financially, it's also a really good decision. Uh, as, as they are getting, as, as Jake said on the show, marching orders to stay below that second apron. Mm-hmm. Um, I, so realistically speaking, you, you bring back Reeves, you bring back Rui, LeBron AD. I think Max Max Christie is somebody who I'm like kind of – I wouldn't go so far as to just add him to the rotation right now, but I could see him being 12th guy, 11th guy, you know, yeah, next year. Totally. And and he's at an important position, right? Like they were they were really bad this year, I think, at just like – non-ball handling shooting guard when it really mattered, right? Malik Beasley was just, like, not playable. He was a mm-hmm. $16 million player, and he was just... Wasn't the non-ball handling shooting guard, like, Patrick Beverly? <laughs> yeah, right. Like, it was just, like, those guys just tended to drive me insane. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and of those players, I would go so far as to say is, like, Max probably was one of the better ones, like, the I'm least very frustrating excited ones. for Summer League, Max Christie. Me too. Me too. Plus the first rounder, plus 47, plus whoever, mm-hmm. whatever second rounder they buy... Um, right. that they usually do in in a draft like this one. So, 
Yeah, I think um, so. You got you got those you know four or five guys, right? Uh, Rui, Reeves, LeBron, AD, Max. Um, I my guess, um, semi-educated guess, is that D'Angelo Russell is back next year. That they mm-hmm. don't sign and trade him and, and hard cap themselves. Um, so and, and and look for like an eighty-two game type player or somebody who gets you to the trade deadline. Like, yeah, I think that that's that's perfectly <clears> fine. <throat> And, I think he you know, was even good, like not good, but he like had moments in the playoffs too before the conference finals. Yeah, right, right. I mean, um, I think about Kuzma, like even in his playoff run, he was only good through the first two rounds. He was very bad against Denver and Miami. So. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I I think there is the makings of a team that you know if I had to handicap it going into next year, I think Denver's going to be the far and away favorite. I I would imagine um, almost regardless of how this this series plays out. Um, and then from there, like maybe Milwaukee, but I think Milwaukee's heading into a weird off season. They're gonna have a brand new coach, a rookie uh-huh. coach, by the way. Um, and yeah, I, I I I can't think of very many teams beyond Denver who I think is gonna win a championship this year that I would just say definitively is better than the Lakers next year if the Lakers have like even an okay off season. And I'm with you. I think I have some optimism um, about this team. I, I I'm not gonna say it too loud because. Thunder literally just cracked over overhead, but but it is still something that like I I do feel like fans can be excited about about how the season goes. And all that said, and here's where like that thunder cracking. I should I should have that sounder on on my board here or whatever. <laughs> but um, the kind of main factor in maintaining this organizational momentum is getting LeBron to buy into a team with two stars and a bunch of really good role players. Mm-hmm. Because I think that is the largest question facing this offseason. You yeah, Dave McMenamin made sure to to say that this was uh it, it, it just from Kyrie's camp and this was not at all LeBron. Uh, Jovan Buha made sure to throw a whole bunch of water on a on a colleague story, which was kind which was kind of interesting. <laughs> yeah, um, and and Tim uh, McMahon also from no Tim Tim Cato Cato yeah um, mm-hmm. also you know heavily implied that that was a Kyrie thing. Mark Stein saying that that was a Mark uh, that was a, a Kyrie thing. So to a certain extent, like a lot of this is out of uh, LeBron's hands. He can't impact what other players leak about him, but. Also, we know he wants to play with Kyrie. I just spoke mm-hmm. to somebody, you know, close to the Lakers who says, yeah, we know he wants to play with Kyrie, but we know he also knows it's not practical. It's not really possible. Right. Um, and, and so still, though, the fact that, like, he's still that kind of interested in Kyrie or another star, even as the CBA basically does not permit three-star teams from you know <laughs> to exist exactly um i i i i guess for me the biggest factor going into next season is is how bought in lebron will be with a team like that which is a weird thing to hope for given that that kind of team won him his most recent championship i when when do you think like what do you think it would take for him to acknowledge that this is probably the best path forward you know, I thought winning a title would be enough for him to acknowledge <laughs> that it was the best path forward. <laughs> yeah, because to be I would fair, say so. his first kind of like titles, Avery, Avery um, like three star teams. Avery does this thing. Young children do this thing, sure. um, where 
so we were at a park a month ago, right? Mm-hmm. And um, she's having a blast. They have this swing set. She runs right across to the swing set, and some girl levels her, takes her out, <laughs> absolutely obliterates her. Okay. And um, she comes back. She's like, she's screaming. You know, she has like a Nike imprint on her cheek. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and and you know, we, I, you know, I told her like, hey, that's why you can't run in front of the swings there, right? You see what the kids are doing there. They are gonna hit you really hard if you if you run in front of the swing set there. Okay, Daddy, can I go play now? Okay, yeah, go ahead and play. Five minutes later, she's running right by the guy, the swing set. It's like, how did you not learn? And and like, I'm not saying this to to you know compare LeBron to my three year old daughter. Um, none of us like we. There are certain things that we will just never learn. We all have our blind spots, and you hope that over time you hone those blind spots so there's only like a a really small margin of your vision that is blocked consistently but this seems to be his thing this and this seems to be that girl swinging by with the the with the the Kyrie logo shoes it keeps like kicking him in the face <laughs> I'm Alex Rodriguez and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg this is the deal each week you're here in conversation with business icons this show will explore deal making across sports media and entertainment that is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I don't really get it because, I mean, like, like I was saying, you know, Miami three stars, obviously Cleveland three stars. You know, he didn't even try with two in Cleveland. Made them trade way Wiggins, you know, before he even got there, which... <clears throat> Probably the yeah. right move. I mean, Kevin Love's still, you know, doing good things in the finals to this day. Yeah. But um, I, I really did believe that after that proof of concept in 2020 and the fact that I I still look back at that 2020-21 Lakers season so fondly, even though everybody from the organization seems to think that it was like a colossal <laughs> failure and I yeah. don't understand. Like, this is the way – that good teams are built. Like you need to have a lot of depth. You need to have multiple options that you can throw out in a playoff series. You need to have some diversity in your matchups and rotations. And it's just not possible when you have three stars, especially because I don't trust Kyrie Irving. Uh, (laughs) And it's like, you know, the Lakers obviously tried a different third star and that just didn't work. I mean, he wasn't even an all-star when he was in LA, which is just wild to think about. Like the third star was not even an all-star, but yeah, I, I would hope that LeBron has enough good feelings from this run over the last three months that he's like, yeah, I would go to war with these guys again, yeah. you know, but maybe he's also just like, yeah, every time I throw Jared Vanderbilt the ball, he has to, you know, <laughs> take a rhythm dribble to go back up. And like, I want a guy <laughs> who doesn't need to do that. Or, yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is nothing personal against Vando, obviously clearly. This well, is the, like the, the fact me, that but. the fact that the season ends and he's immediately talking about retirement doesn't give me the, the, the warmest fuzzy feelings. <laughs> that, that, like I mean, he's bought he into this concept. Right. He yeah, did just yeah. play a long stretch of basketball on an injury that should have required surgery. I think he was exhausted. I think he's looking at a guy across the way in Nikola Jokic who's not getting any worse, who was already better than him in this series, which is like a crazy thing to say. And for all of LeBron's like I think he does a, a nice job of like showing respect to the younger generation. I think he's always been a little uh less charitable towards foreign players and so to have Nikola Jokic you know do that to him was probably pretty annoying yeah 
I, I just think in the heat of the moment for him to bring up retirement is also like the only child energy, right? Like LeBron yeah. as a way of making the story about him, like even after they got swept in the finals by the Warriors in 2018, he brings up the broken hand, right? And like, yeah, you know, I punched a wall or something after game one and I've been playing on this for the last three games and it's just <laughs> LeBron, like they just won back-to-back titles. We can let them have their moment for a day, yeah. but it's no, like, no. Look at LeBron's shooting numbers with a broken hand over the last three games. He's, so. he's Kendall Roy, right? He's got to control the narrative. Like it all, it all costs. Everybody controls yeah. the narrative. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, the best the best explanation for the retirement talk after the season, um, I don't know if he said it on the show, but Harrison was just like, oh, yeah, if he talks about retirement, nobody's talking about the fact he just got swept. Right. Like, like no, no, if he, if he taught, like, and by the way, that's how it played out. <laughs> nobody, nobody, <laughs> we have seemed to move on from the fact that the Lakers got swept and LeBron didn't win a game in that series, mm-hmm. despite playing 48 minutes in, in game four, everybody immediately moved to, well, what does it mean cap wise? If he retires right. and could he actually mean it? He never meant it, yeah. but nobody's but, yeah. talking about Aaron Gordon, just like, you know, taking his cookies at the end of the game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's really good media manipulation. Like the Ron is very good at this and yeah. That's why I'm not terribly concerned about the retirement. Uh, I do believe that he has enough sense to know that this is a team that proved it could be something provided like there's some internal improvement or, you know, he and AD are healthier or, you know, Darvin Ham obviously has to have his own internal improvement. Like I think yeah. you've mentioned that there are clearly instances where you can see how another coach would have handled the situation that Darvin didn't. And mm-hmm. that's not to like denigrate Darvin. He's a rookie coach. And to get this team to the conference finals from where they started, I think is like a massive achievement, but yeah. everybody just has to be better. And like, does he think that there's enough to get better on this team? I don't know. But I also don't think yeah. that the third star is feasible. Just like, no, I almost wonder if LeBron and Kyrie, like if that's something particular, like would he be okay with a third star if it was oh. I don't know, Bradley Beal or something? Like, is it specifically yeah. Kyrie, you know, or is it just that he happens to be the one that's available or yeah, even I, like remotely available? I've kind of wondered with Kyrie if it's like the Shaq Kobe thing where they have tried, they, while Kobe was still alive, right? They tried so many times to rewrite history and, you know, go back and, and, and like, yeah, there were some times where they were realistic about it. And they said like, yeah, we screwed up. We were immature and we mm-hmm. cost ourselves championships, plural. But there were also times where they were like, where they, where they looked back at, uh, on that time with rosier colored glasses, than you maybe should have given that you guys did break up. Right. And, and I kind of wonder if that's kind of going on here with Kyrie and LeBron that like Kyrie leaves demands a trade out while Cleveland is still very much competitive. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I kind of wonder if both of those guys are kind of looking back on it. Like you remember the good times. You don't necessarily remember what got you to a point where you demanded a trade out in the first place, or you forget the fact that the guy demanded a trade. Um, right. and you just look back on, on the fact that you guys won together as you have struggled to, you know, win after the most recent championship. So yeah, I've, I do. That's a really fun theory that I would I would love to kind of pick people who who are closer to LeBron's brains on if if this is a Kyrie specific thing or if it's just like any star and how does he define a star? Because I would it shock you? Like you're, we're gonna get we're gonna get Austin Reeves is gonna get way too many All Star votes right this year. It's it's gonna happen. He got way too many All Star votes last year. <laughs> yeah, right, right. But if he's like if he's averaging. 17 a game, mm-hmm. right? 17 and like 
five or six assists. assists. Yeah. yeah. If he's ha- if he's like a legitimate good starting either point guard or shooting guard, um, like he, it's it's not completely out of the realm that he becomes an all star, right? Can, can oh, it's completely like- out of the realm. The coaches are not going to let this happen. <laughs> <laughs> If it were just fan voting still, yeah. this guy would be an all-star starter next to Steph Curry next year. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think he can get that more votes That would be your West backcourt. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wonder which backcourt. I guess Luca. Luca is still considered like a backcourt player, right? Like he, he's, guess, he gets yeah. guard votes. Yeah, so I don't I think, think he's going to get like more votes. I think there's some fungibility with all-NBA. Like he gets moved as a forward there sometimes. But. It's so weird, yeah. Um, and like I think yeah. Jaws' popularity is obviously going down, you know. So if it was just fan vote, hope so. I, I don't even see... know if Jaws going to play next year. It's not oh, a right. good We're sign. Still waiting for the the discipline to come out. That's right. Yeah, it's not a good sign that like the the commissioner is like this is going to be such a news making punishment that I don't want to drop it in the middle of the finals. Which in and of itself is news, Adam. Yeah. <laughs> like, why would you just not say the investigation is ongoing? Like that's easy. <laughs> that's an easy line. <laughs> Um, last, last thing before we move on to spark stuff, we talked about Austin and actually this was a perfect segue. If I didn't mention that it was a segue, um, I see him as a point guard next year. I see him as like a LeBron point guard. Now, I don't think he would be like a good, you know, primary ball handler on, on a really good team. I think he's a little too slow with that. His handle needs to get quite a bit tighter, uh, for that to happen, Great instincts, all of that stuff. And I also have questions about him defensively in that spot. But still, um, on a LeBron team, as the secondary ball handler, and at times maybe primary with LeBron as a secondary ball handler who like really draws a lot of attention to himself, mm-hmm. um, that is the path forward I think makes the most sense for the Lakers. It's a lot easier to find a shooting guard that fits into that team concept than a point guard that fits into what the Lakers need from a point guard with Austin as a shooting guard. We're, we're, you, you're a lot higher on the Dennis Schroeder experience than I have been from from, from basically day, day one. It's so weird because I was so <laughs> anti-Dennis Schroeder trade, whereas you <laughs> thought it was a great deal, and I we completely so. All right. In fairness, as I keep coming back to, I was really excited about the Dennis Schroeder acquisition if he was the sixth man. So I you thought wanted Caruso, to trade a first-round pick to get a sixth man. The Lakers would have been better with him in that role. Like it I don't think been... so. I think they were perfectly fine with him in that role. That was not the problem <laughs> with that season. <laughs> but yeah, I. So like, let's say the Lakers utilize some of their um, their their uh, exception money to mm-hmm. bring back Schroeder, and he's the starting point guard going into next year. Which I think is a perfectly viable route that I, that I think they wind up taking because I don't I don't think he's going to be like a ten million dollar player or anything like that. Correct. Yeah. Um, I would rather see what I I I I think there are other avenues to take there. But but what would you think about that path there? So let's start at the beginning. I think you're. I think I agree with you in that I would rather have a shooter like a more prototypical two guard next yeah. to Austin and LeBron. Like if Beasley was good. Perimeter spot. Yeah, like if Beasley was good, exactly. Mm-hmm. I think I would rather have a shooter in that spot than trying to fit a point guard because I don't think you need additional ball handling beyond Austin and yeah. LeBron. I think you're fine with just those two. I don't know who that shooting guard is, to be perfectly honest, because I don't I don't know that it's... I don't think it's Malik Beasley. Let's be clear. I don't think it's Malik. <laughs> I think you can bring him off the bench. That's fine. Is it Lonnie Walker? I don't know. 
for most yeah. of the regular season, I was very unimpressed with Lonnie Walker's defense. I thought that was yeah. the reason why he had fallen out of the rotation was because mm-hmm. he was not adding anything on that end of the floor. And yes, his offensive role moved around quite a bit and that probably wasn't fair to him, but also like you got to give it on the other end. And I don't think he was in the playoffs. In fairness, he was seen he was, as a small forward. <laughs> he was guarding wings. <laughs> he was also like playing next to Pat. And so he could have been the two and Pat would be the three. And like, he yeah. wasn't giving anything there. Mm-hmm. I thought he was fine in the playoffs defensively, you know, mm-hmm. and if Lonnie is the guy you want to put next to Austin and LeBron, if he wants to come back, like I think the Lakers could probably offer him about 7 million next year for his next contract, which yeah, maybe he's outplayed. I don't know that he has, if he likes it here, like that seems like a perfectly viable perimeter starting crew, you know, Austin, Lonnie, LeBron, just a guy who gives some spacing, a little bit more athleticism because LeBron and AD are declining in that area. Yeah. You know, LeBron has like eight like full court reps that he can bust <laughs> out during the course of a game. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I I would prefer some spacing, especially because Anthony Davis's jump shot is just not coming back. Mm-hmm. And LeBron just, it's so much harder for him to get into the paint at this stage in his career that I would just be on board with getting as much spacing around them as possible. Yeah. And that's not Dennis Schroeder. Like I like yeah. Dennis Schroeder as a change of pace guy when you need to, you know, really get into the point of attack defensively. Like if for some reason just Austin doesn't have it that day and you need more ball handling, like that's a great thing to bring in off the bench. I just don't want to start with that. And like D'Lo theoretically is a shooting guard because he's a very good shooter, but he's just so inconsistent. And yeah. then, like I said, taking all that off and the table terrible defensively. defensively. Right. Like <laughs> which I thought he had a decent series again defensively against Golden State. I was very impressed yeah. with how he put mm-hmm. it himself. And then it just all fell apart <laughs> against Denver. Yeah. So I would prefer a shooting guard in that role. Like whether you want to call LeBron the point guard, whether you want to call Austin the point guard, I don't particularly care. It's just like, you know, the Avery Bradley, Dean Green, LeBron James combination, right? You know, you right. have just enough ball handling, but LeBron is basically the point guard. And then even if you throw in KCP in place of Avery Bradley, right? Like th- those are not point guards. They're just guys who space the floor around LeBron. I think that's the model. Yeah. I just don't know who that guy is in free agency and like how the Lakers can get him because like you said, they're going to have a very minimal exception money to play with. And I think Dennis is first in line to get that. Like they seem to really like Dennis Schroeder. I understand why they like Dennis Schroeder. Like the numbers with Dennis are pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I thought he bought in very well. And maybe he was the Lakers fifth best player in the postseason like is that right somebody has to be yeah, yeah. you know mm-hmm. maybe even fourth because like mm-hmm. i don't know Rui was pretty good yeah yeah but i i would go i would i'd say fifth at best right fifth, yeah i think LeBron fifth and is like and his and... floor honestly like i don't know who would have been better than him as yeah. the fifth guy but yeah mm-hmm. so like that's that's a good player to bring back right like you're who who like started for you in your best lineups in the postseason like that's that's a guy you'd want to pay attention to but I would hope that the Lakers don't go into the offseason with the plan of, yeah, let's start Dennis Schroeder because you, you just need the shooting and nobody guards yeah. him. Well, that's that's the big one. Um, the Lakers, I thought when they struggled down the stretches against Denver, it was because you had Schroeder on the ball because if he wasn't on the ball, the defense just didn't care about him at all. And if you had Schroeder on the ball, he was the third best creator on the floor, right? Mm-hmm. LeBron is a better creator and Reeves is a better creator, especially in the pick and roll. Um, and, and when Schroeder had the ball, those guys didn't. And, and I thought it, their, their offense just kind of got stuck in the mud, which allowed right. Denver to get out and transition and snowballed from there. But uh, yeah, I, I, I just think, and, and I also think not just in terms of next season, but if 
like Rui and Reeves are like the start of the next chapter after LeBron and AD, I think you have to do, you have to optimize Rui or you have to mm-hmm. optimize Reeves, right? Like you, oh, you no. have to do it. Yeah. Yeah. But like mostly, <laughs> mostly, cause I, I think like Rui, Rui is pretty in, in, interchangeable, I think, right? Like we know exactly what he's going to be. He's a bruising three, probably best as a four. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and like, you know, I don't think he's going to shoot the way that he did in the playoffs next year. That was insane. <laughs> <laughs> but, but like, you know, we, we kind of know where to put him, but I think there is some legitimate discussion about Reeves. Is he a point guard? Is he a ball handling shooting guard? Is he, is he a, like, like you have, there, there's like two paths that you can take. You can either be considered a combo guard where it's actually a good thing that you can play either of those positions, or you can be like a tweener where you're the worst parts of both of those positions. Right. And, and I think, uh, with Reeves, the Lakers really have to figure out like, what is, what path do they see for this guy here moving forward? And, and the good news for them is like, they have four years to be able to figure that out. Like we know what contract he's going to have, um, unless he surprises everybody. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that would be it. No matter what, they're going to have him for four years, I think, unless he like really surprises everybody and, and gambles on himself again and wants to hit free agency, like actual free agency next year. Mm-hmm. Um, in which case, then you really, I don't think, can start somebody like Schroeder next to him, right? Because <laughs> then, then if he doesn't have the ball in his hands and then you're making a decision on him where it could be like a four-year, $90 million decision on, on a guy like that next year, when you don't know which position he necessarily plays, like that's where you really start to freak yourself out. But, but yeah, that like the, the two main conversations I think that I keep having internally about this upcoming off season is will LeBron buy in to this team dynamic, right? Two stars and a bunch of really good role players. And where are you going to play Austin and how are you going to maximize Austin? Um, and I think everything kind of falls into place once you answer those two questions. So we'll see. Are there any free agent shooting guards that you have in mind who would like fit that role next to him? Because otherwise I think it's just D'Lo. Yeah. I, I mean, like, look, if Beasley is okay, <laughs> like he makes sense, you know, so like you would if, bench D'Lo for Beasley. Well, I, I think one of those two guys, like I, so I guess if I'm the Lakers, the most conservative path forward here would be bringing both of those guys back and finding out one mm-hmm. way or another with both of those guys and then addressing it at the, at the deadline, if you have to, um, or after December, whenever, you know, you can finally, when you can trade, right, right. um, that I think is probably the most like practical path forward here in terms of like sh- shooting guards that, you know, like if the Lakers could find a way to get Bruce Brown, like he, he would be perfect. <laughs> Like, that'd be great. He that'd be is a great a use of exception money. Yeah. He has a player <clears throat> so, option, so he can come up. Yeah. Oh, there's no way he's. I don't think in. he's re upping. Yeah. But then yeah. you can only sign with the Lakers for about the same amount of money that Denver could give you. So it's yeah. really just. Well, I wonder, one, like, one if one you, move. if you did, like, a, you know, you do the sign and trade. Like, I, if you're going to, if you're going to do a sign and trade, like, I would, the, the only player I'm just against signing and trading for is Kyrie. Right. But, but even there, like, if you sign and trade, think now you're hard. Signing and trading is and... really hard, yeah, to yeah. maneuver with with all the money I mean, that you're going to have to give to Rui and Austin. Yeah. 
yeah, the, the CBA, like we still, it's still kind of like trickling out, but every time a new aspect of like the basketball side of things trickles out, I'm like, what? I really hope the players enjoy their limited ownership stakes, you know, yeah. into these teams, because that is the only win I can see that they've gotten. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's wild. It is, it has been, um, bananas. Um, mm -hmm. All right, awkward segue here to uh, Sparks Talk. I mean, and ownership stakes, they could also invest in WNBA teams. That's the segue. <laughs> honestly, pretty good investment. Yeah. Like, it just, if, if like, so like people always think of like the LeBrons of the world, right? Where like he is, he has the opportunity to be a primary owner, right? Mm -hmm. um, of an NBA team whenever they expand to Vegas or Seattle or wherever. Um, but like, if you're, if you've made like a hundred million bucks in your career and you're looking for a way to like stay attached and, and take advantage of this, of this trust fund that I, I it seems like it's a, it's a trust fund. Yeah. Um, I don't really understand it, but it's, I would, I would say that the WNBA is actually like a really good opportunity for players who haven't made like NBA ownership money. Mm -hmm. Um, the, the the W like it's one of the points that it's I think it's the smartest point that keeps getting made, um, whether it's from you or uh, Schindler or or uh, Nikias or anybody covering the W, is that like every time people inject money into the WNBA, you see it come back right. Mm -hmm. That was the thing that I used to tell Harrison is like we used to we used to sit up at late at night and we'd be talking about like paths forward in our careers and i would just say like every time people invest in lakers coverage or content it produces money yeah. and like just keep you know the keep ROI spamming is that button incredible yeah yeah um you know unfortunately not everybody sees it that way but but yeah for and like you and the... I are perfect examples of that <laughs> <laughs> exactly but but like the w though like has that track record it has that like, and, and, and not just the WNBA, but like women's basketball in general, right? The, the, the college championship was one of the highest rated TV events of, of the year. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, like for, if, if we're talking about the one win that the, that the players got in the negotiations, <laughs> that's the only the, one I can think of. I haven't like poured <laughs> through the CBA obviously, yeah. but it's very strange to me. I'm still waiting to like, I, like, cause, cause I, um, so far it hasn't been officially like released. I, there's the, it's just like morsels that come out and every time there's when a new morsel, I'm like, it came into place. I assumed, Oh, it's going to go into place for the 24, 25 season. And it's just like, no, no, we have to make these decisions for the upcoming off season. That is in less than a month. And yeah, yeah here we are. Um, but yeah, the, the, the W though, and, and, um, and the season that the sparks are having so far, uh, what were expectations set at? And how likely are they to meet, exceed, or fall short of those uh, expectations? I guess they're likely to do one of those three things, but what's the likeliest? Correct. One of those things will happen. <laughs> so as, as you mentioned earlier, um, the, the last time you and I spoke about the WNBA was right after Derek Fisher was fired. And truly anyone who would have stepped into the head coach or GM role after Derek Fisher would have been a dramatic improvement. Like you or I could have done it. And I think... <laughs> It would have just been a 10x, you know, growth for the Sparks. So that's that's number one. Just the enormous weight that has been lifted away from the Sparks is just like cannot be overstated. Yeah. Then you bring in the fact that like you you got a coach who is former coach of the year, just took his team to the finals last year, one of the you know premier minds in the WNBA. 
that he wanted to come to LA is, is a big deal. Um, I sort of came into this season thinking that the Sparks would be best suited tanking because mm-hmm. there are some really great college classes coming out in 24 and 25. And you, you need that next big generational player. Like teams in the WNBA do not win a title without a generational player. Like it's the yeah. same in the NBA, right? Like you mm-hmm. need the player. Yeah. Basketball and is a pretty simple sport when you break yeah. it down. <laughs> There's only five players on the court. You need a really good one. You need yeah. one really good one. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the Sparks have been led by Nako Gumake for the last three years or so. And she is, you know, 33 years old. So it's 33 next month, I should say, but she's just not going to be that player for another championship team. So I was of the belief that they needed to tank. And because WNBA lottery odds factor in two years worth of records, like they were already in good shape because they had a terrible record last year. Uh, so it'd be really easy to get a high pick in 24. But for those of you know, who familiar with college sports with the extra COVID year, it doesn't seem like most of the best players are going to be declaring themselves for this draft. Like Caitlin Clark, I don't expect to declare for this draft, even though she could. So yeah, well, kind of want NIL money. Like you can make a real case that they're better paid in college than they would. Well, I mean, in not the, all the sponsorships the have to stay at Iowa, right? Like they could come with her. Yeah, you know, like only Boston number one pick in this year's draft still has a lot of the deals that she did at South Carolina. But regardless, I just think you know playing at Iowa, you know, wanting to win a national title is probably a bigger deal for her than starting mm-hmm. her pro career a year earlier. Anyway, so I think like positioning for the 25 draft makes more sense. And, you know, the Sparks are kind of in a situation where there's like a top tier of the league that's really good. And they're not in that top tier, but they're also not as bad as some of the other teams. And so it's strange to figure out like how good they actually are because they've played five games. They will have played six by the time the show airs. And two of them are against Las Vegas Aces, which they lost both of them. And that's fine. They were supposed to lose to the Aces. But then the remaining four against Seattle and Phoenix, all teams that I project to miss the playoffs. So even if they win those other four games, it's like, great, you did what you were supposed to do. But I don't actually know how good that makes the Sparks if they're just taking care of business so far. Mm -hmm. But then again, taking care of business is just not something that happened in the Derek Fisher era. So there's, you know, a real nice aura of competence with the Kurt Miller administration in Los Angeles. Like (laughs) NECA seems so much happier. They're actually playing shooters. I know that's the thing we talk about a lot with the Lakers. Like they have (laughs) spacers on the floor at all times. They're running plays to get those shooters open. Like Lexi Brown is having the best season of her career. Carly Samuelson um, also having a really nice season. She has like a true shooting percentage of 81% at the time of this recording, which like feels like a fake number, honestly. She's she's playing 25 minutes a game. This is not like, (laughs) you know, (laughs) I've only taken three shots all season. So yeah, it's, it's been really fun to watch them play. Like they have an offense again. Um, the the vibes are just so much happier. I am like interested in going to their practices and games again. Like it's it's really fun having yeah. the Sparks in this position of like, oh, we're a real WNBA franchise again, as opposed to just letting this horrible, horrible executive tank us for four years. So yeah, that's that's where I stand with the Sparks. Is, you know, because I, 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 I have to rethink or look back on it or whatever, but um, we we had talked about the Derek Fisher firing, and then there was all the the Liz Cambage uh, stuff that went down there too. Oh, that's um, when we recorded the day that Liz left, not I when Fisher was, got think... fired. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, like her absence, like there are, there are just some players, <laughs> Kyrie, um, who like uh, just just you know what was the what was the phrase that was used on Russ the vampire. Right, it yeah. just they they suck the air out of the room, and so you combine the departure of Cambage and you combine the the departure of Fisher, and like you're talking about right now, it just 
the 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 conversations and and like you know while the the NBA is going on and while I'm getting ready for draft stuff and stuff, I mostly like pay attention to the WNBA by way of like people who cover it coming across my timeline. But I remember when I would see those tweets and stories about the Sparks, it was a lot of like because in general, women's basketball coverage is so much more like positive and polite than yeah, it's definitely more um, polite. Then, like, then I I noticed with the NBA, and even still, like, even as it's that kind of polite, people were just like, "God, this is a mess," <laughs> <laughs> you know. So, like, it stood out that much more that that there was like there was that much uh, louder uh, the, the the coverage of the Sparks, and and now though, like, I do see Edwin and you and 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 the people who are covering this Sparks team just seem to be like, "Hey, we don't know if this is necessarily the, the direction they should go." But it's good to know that this is a direction that they're capable of. It's nice mm-hmm. to see that they're a capable organization. And, and like, that's, that's kind of, that tends to be the, the very important first step, right? That's the step that the Knicks just have never been able to take. Right. Is that like, <laughs> it's like, hey, they, they seem to be maybe figuring it out. And they're like, oh, no, wait, next, the very next year, they, they are not. Yeah, and I guess my question here is like, yeah, right. Like my question here is like, it, does this feel sustainable? Like the 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 momentum, the forward momentum that they seem to have here, does that feel sustainable? I think so. Um, we're Kurt Miller. So his first year in LA, he was an assistant coach in LA back in 2015, and then spent seven years as a head coach in Connecticut. And mm-hmm. you know they made the finals twice there. They made the conference final. I shouldn't say conference finals. They made the WNBA semifinals his last four years. Mm-hmm. So just a sustained track record of success there. Um, their general manager uh, has been out of the league for a little bit, but she helmed like a very successful period in Seattle when she was there. So there's a lot of good equity built up around the league with those two individuals. And the fact that they came off of the two absolutely shit show years they just did and still reeled in like the third best free agent this off season. Yeah. Best that there is, you know, an appetite for players to want to play in LA. Like that still exists in the WNBA because there's a huge difference between what the LA Sparks are marketing and like what the Dallas Wings or the Indiana Fever are marketing. You know, it's just Mm -hmm. night and day in the WNBA, even a a bigger Delta, I would say than like what you get in NBA circles. I mean, I mean, I guess not, but like LA means something in the WNBA. And I do think that any sort of positive momentum will like be immediately rewarded. So if they make the playoffs this year, you know, then you have a good selling pitch to like, I don't know, Jewel Lloyd or like Skylar Diggins Smith when they hit the market this offseason. And there is a path to, you know, contention that way rather than let's tank for two years so we can get Caitlin Clark because two years is a very long time after you've already missed the playoffs for two years. Yeah. Like there's just, you can't be that bad for that long and expect people to stay with you, you know? So Mm -hmm. I, I do think that like there is the way that the sparks are being viewed right now is dramatically different than what it was. It matters. Months ago. And I think that as long as Kurt Miller's around, like it's so weird to watch them play. Like, so they had this game against Phoenix last weekend and it's the kind of game, literally the game Derek Fisher was fired for losing last year was a game <laughs> against Phoenix where yeah. uh, I think he sat Cam Beige for the last seven minutes. And there's just no real plan at the end of games. There's no, ATOs or execution or anything that you could point to. Like, this is what the Sparks are going to do when things get tough. And you're watching the end of the Sparks-Phoenix game last Friday, and it's like, okay, let's put the ball in Lexi Brown's hands. We're going to run her off two screens. Either they sell out to, you know, take away the three-pointer or she can drive to the hoop. And they sell out to take away the three-pointer, she drives to the hoop, ties the game. And it's like, yes, this is 
how you run an offense. <laughs> this is just how teams are supposed to do yeah. things, you know, when they're coached well. And it's so I, weird. I, I just, I'd for, I'd, I'd like the thinking back of what it was like to have a coach who called timeouts when they, when they <laughs> needed to be called. I miss that. That was fun. It's, it's a weird thing, you know? Yeah. Uh, and I do believe that just having this, I keep saying competence over and over again, but it was just so absent over the last four years, just at every level of the organization, you know, like whether it was where they were practicing or, you know, the types of practice players they were bringing in or the sets they were running or like the fact that it was one person doing both roles and not even knowing like how the league's salary cap worked while he was doing it. Um, <laughs> sorry. Uh, it's just so nice to have yeah. like a real direction. Like, again, I didn't exactly agree with the direction going in. I thought they should have tanked. But I can understand wanting to just be a six seed and say like, hey, look how far we've come already in one year. Free agent X, if you want to come in, we're just going to be building and building further and further, you know, when you come next year. So I, I get yeah. the idea. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's a lot more fun to be a part of that than a team that's losing a lot of games again. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it's not just the losing, right? Like I did the show with um, with Kirk and with Josh last night um, talking mm -hmm. about the Mavericks, right? And their thought as it pertains to LeBron is like, yeah, LeBron could come in, he could be old, and Kyrie could get hurt. And Luca could be frustrated or whatever, and the, the the Mavericks might suck all the same. But it's like, mm -hmm. yeah, but that's a more entertaining sucking, right? Like that's yeah. like the, like I you look back on the this last season with Russ, we're heading into it. You're like, I know how this is gonna go. This is going to suck, and then it did, you know. And it's just like I didn't care what the Lakers got back for him. Just make it entertaining. Like make make watching make me want to tune into these games. And, and, and that's what it kind of sounds like here um, with the Sparks moving forward. Uh, last thing before I, I, I let you go on, on not necessarily just the Sparks, but the WNBA in general, um, I really noticed this year a super pervasive storyline of like players who should be good enough to be in the WNBA being let go. And... Um, you know, the w, the, you know, the W is growing. We've talked about it here a few times and, and, you know, it's growing in a way that I think should, it shouldn't take a bunch of arm twisting to get further investment into the league. They have to expand at some point, right? Like there's the, 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 the caliber of player who I kept seeing and, and look, I don't know nearly enough about the, the league to say any of this definitively, but like the reactions to players being let go was so uh, uh, unified, right? Like, how is this player not on a team? And as the sport grows, it's only going to get more competitive there. So is, is expansion on the horizon at all? I know, I know, I know. It's, it's, you, you get the question a lot. I'm sorry. But it's no, just no, like... No, no. It's such an obvious fix. It's just like, it, it, it's just, it's, it's screaming at everybody right in the face. So the commissioner has just been horrifically unclear about expansion at, you know, during the 2022 season in the middle of the year, she said, we hope to have a list of, you know, 10 expansion cities and then whittle it down to two by the end of the year, like December, 2022. And then we can, you know, start the process to bring those two teams in in 24 or 25. And then that, two never came. And then it was like, oh, well, we're looking at a list of 100 cities again. And now it's back down to a list of 20 cities. And like maybe in two or three years, they'll come. And 
even in the interim, we can't even think about roster expansion, which roster expansion would actually be a really important thing because mm-hmm. right now it's capped at 12 because of the hard cap in the WNBA. A lot of teams can only carry 11. Mm-hmm. And so like literally you lose one player, you lose two players and you're in a situation where can't even run fives in practice. Yeah. Right. Chris came <laughs> like in is lying on that's benches. Tough, right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and considering like these, a lot of these players are playing year round, you know, they're nursing a lot of long-term injuries just over the course of the year. And it's hard to, keep them healthy over the course of a full WNBA season. And when you only have 12, like your rotation is nine or 10 players, you're not really keeping any spots for those developmental players, right? There's no G league. There's no developmental league. If you want to hold on to a young player and just help her grow in your system, there's no roster spot to do that unless you're willing to just not have a rotation player, you know, for that particular season. So the commissioner has pretty much axed any thought of roster expansion is being deliberately obtuse about league expansion. And as the collegiate game gets more and more popular, people just know these players more, right? Like this situation of players getting cut at the start of training camp was always happening. It's just that we weren't as familiar with the collegiate players. You know, um, a lot of the WMA players were coming over late from overseas play. So they weren't even in training camp. So the collegians got to stick around a little bit longer and they weren't getting caught before the start of the season. Uh, And so it's just more eyes on the league means more attention to what is happening. More eyes on college basketball means people are more attached to the college players. And it's like, we had this dramatically interesting final four, every single player who was drafted out of a final four team, like other than South Carolina is not in the league right now, (laughs) which is is wild, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's like it, like you know, everybody looked back on the the Magic Bird national championship, right? Mm-hmm. And and how like I you know, obviously Magic and Bird were were right. like the impetus for growth in the NBA or whatever. But they were certainly like imagine if there were good role players there who people also cared about. They were just like, mm-hmm. yeah, no, they aren't in the league. Yeah, I hope you enjoyed watching them play, but no, they they aren't in the league. Yeah, like the second best players on Iowa and LSU, both drafted, both out of the league. You know, other player on LSU drafted, not in the league, couple players in Virginia tech who lost to LSU in the final four drafted, not in the league. So you can't convert that momentum from college into WNBA. If you're saying like, Hey, remember all these games you love to watch? Yeah. We're not going to give you any of those players anymore. And not enough players are retiring to support an influx of more players. It's just not happening. Like the WNBA had maybe three retirements last year. And then you have a draft of 36 players. Like where are those spots supposed to come from? Yeah. How how frustrating is it is it to like cover a sport that is so clearly growing but is held back by the only place that these players get drafted to in in the states like it, it's that's got to be maddening like that's not a problem anybody covering major league baseball or mm-hmm. the NBA or the NFL has to think about maybe MLS people who like have covered the sport for long enough will look back yeah. on those times or whatever but but like this is this is so uniquely a, 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 a W it will and, and a women's sports problem, right? Like it's it's so uniquely it's it's so like Well, I think of it more as a WNBA problem because the NWSL is a league that is eleven years old. So the WNBA is entering its twenty seventh or in its twenty seventh season. Mm-hmm. Got quite a few years on the NWSL. NWSL already has 12 teams. They're bringing in another, another one, another two next year. They're bringing in another one after that. So what's going on then? Like what I, (laughs) the soccer leagues, like MLS is the same age as the WNBA. They understand that a great way to bring in more money into their league expansion fees. And yet for some reason, the WNBA is, I don't know if it's the commissioner or if it's 
somebody else, like the old ownership in the league, they're so concerned about the exclusivity of, oh, we have the very best players in the world. And it's like, yeah, you have the best players in the world. They're not going anywhere, but you could yeah. make the league so much more of an attractive product and like actually let all of those players only play in your league if you yeah. made it a bigger entity. And we're seeing higher valuations for teams like the um, Seattle Storm just opened up a round of investing that valued their team at 150 million, which is it's a nice big number. You know, like if you could get an yeah. expansion fee for something like that, think of all yeah. the things you could do for the WNBA. Um, the Chicago Sky just had an you know, invest around that value their team at 85 million, like, and like, they don't have a practice facility or anything. They literally just play at DePaul. So for that, a team with no facilities whatsoever, just the organization and its players to be valued at that, it's a pretty good number considering Mark Davis just bought the aces in 2021 for $2 million. Like to have that jump in valuation is kind of yeah. mind boggling. So I think, yeah, they're just leaving money on the table and I don't really understand why it's the case. I mean, even, like setting aside the new teams, I really think just adding one more player to each team would make a dramatic difference in terms of all yeah. of the college players that could say. Because when you're cutting first round picks, that's it insane. Just, it devalues the draft itself. Before like, why they play, even bother? Too. Yeah. Like, but like the, the, you don't even get to see like you know if if a player isn't good enough to be in the league. It's just like no, take our word for it. She wasn't. Right. What? Right. On, and it's huh? one thing to say that, like, oh, maybe they made a mistake in their talent evaluation or whatever. But no, it's just out of the top 24 picks, which everyone gets to take part in, you know, 11 of them make the league. Like, that's that's <laughs> nothing. That's, and yeah. they're not even really playing. And who's to say that they're going to make it to the end of their rookie contracts? I mean, it's it's so weird. And it's frustrating because college basketball is in such this wave, right? Like, the last few Final Fours yeah. have been so exciting and entertaining. And they've got this great talent. And the fact that they're making money like makes it so much less icky to root for college sports again. Like I had a real problem with that back in the day and now it's <laughs> yeah. nice. Like, Hey, you yeah. know, it's not just the, the overwhelmingly white coaches and athletic directors who are benefiting off of this labor. It's like Angel Reese gets to, you know, drive a Benz around because that's her endorsement deal. Like that's freaking awesome. Right. Yeah. Uh, and I just wish that, you know, all of the players who helped Angel Reese win a national championship could play in the WNBA and none of them are. <laughs> yeah. I, I would, I would think, you know, uh, and this is just luck that I happen to make the the um, comparison before, but like with with Magic and Bird, the NBA was a disaster. Like pre Magic and Bird, it was just like you had you know finals games on tape delay, and it was just this this league that just was not going where it needed to go. Uh -huh. They come in right, and their 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 star and their charisma, like they did, elevate the league. But it was also a league that like started to realize, oh my God, there's a lot of money to be made here. And like you just talked a second ago about, you know, uh, Mark Davis buying in for $2 million and now you're getting $85 million evaluations or potentially $150 million expansion fees. Um, so clearly there is money to be made here. I, you just don't see it very often in this country that people just like turn down money, like right? <laughs> industry wide. We just like, nope, we're good here. And, and especially not the people who should be directly invested, the commissioner, other owners, um, they should be directly and literally financially invested in this thing growing. And yet for some reason it is continues to stall out as we're on the precipice of what could be the, 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 the magic bird draft coming up, right? right? Like, <laughs> like as they're getting ready to come into the league, we're, we're just not seeing the league prepared for them. And, and that, that feels like a, a, a potentially hugely missed opportunity.
Yeah, the only thing I can think of is that there are owners who have been in the league for so long who are wary of, you know, having to contract again because the league was as much as 16 teams in the early 2000s and yeah. quite a few of them folded. Um, or they want to maintain their place in the league and don't want rich people to price them out, which, yeah. like, if you don't have the money to maintain a sports team, sorry, it's not yeah. your gig. <laughs> <laughs> but enough about Jeannie. Um <laughs> Full circle. <laughs> <laughs> well, Sabrina, it is always a blast to talk with you. I've taken up way too much of your time already. Uh, plug whatever you need to plug. Tell people where they need to find your your, your content. It is all really good. Uh, so tell people where to find it. Yeah, everything I write about women's basketball is at theathletic.com. I am mostly in WNBA world right now doing a lot of Las Vegas Aces, actually, and Sparks, but I consider myself like the Southwest WNBA beat writer. So I like any teams I like in that area that you're interested in reading about, that's that's what I do. But yeah, all at the athletic. Uh, I would maybe rebrand to not like link yourself up with Southwest Airlines, but you Honestly, know what? I'm like... trying to, I'm trying because I fly them all the time. So <laughs> <laughs> it's deliberate. <laughs> Thank you very much, Sabrina. Best of luck here on this season moving forward. And congratulations on once again being right. The Lakers will not win a championship this year. Yeah. <laughs>